ready to talk fantasy football, then you're ready for the Picking Up the Blitz Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your hosts, Mike Randall and Scott Burke. The fantasy football prodigal son has returned. My partner, Scott Burke, is back, and I welcome you like they did in the Bible with open arms. I'm going to kill the fatted calf, Scotty. Welcome back. Prodigal son, I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> you, you did you did just fine without me for a couple of shows, and I'm sure I'm sure we didn't miss a beat, and I know we didn't miss a beat. Uh, good to be back, though. Uh, Jersey Shore was nice. It initially had some really bad weather coming our way, and it... Uh, took a turn for the better it was a very solid week very tough taking your near one year old insanity uh, to the beach absolute insanity by the time i set up that tent you know that that you helped me with the first time that took me 25 minutes as i put it down and try to keep put the snakes in the ground to keep it from going my wife says "Eh, she's cranky i think it's time for us to go so i said fantastic so yeah uh, having the pool at the house so we were at was uh, insanely huge um came in to be a big factor for this vacation so uh but yeah good time had by all you know, nice to be out with the wife and the daughter for a good week and uh, back at it now where va- our vacation schedules are cleared i believe right my friend so we get to uh keep on rocking here totally cleared i give a shout out to my wife i understand your pain that first week we were down there when we saw you that last day we got to the beach i dragged everything the cooler the tent everything we set up right and as soon as I get down there, my son's screaming, it's too hot. My daughter forgot her bathing suit. My wife goes, you lugged everything. You stay for a half hour. I'll just drive him in the car, put him in the air conditioning. So it was me, a cooler, an umbrella, and the ocean. And I will tell you, partner, that may be the best 30 minutes of the year. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Very, very possible. I had several beverages, several in 30 minutes. You crushed them, huh? You, uh, you make sure you had enough out of that fridge and that cooler uh, for 30 minutes of uh, Corona. What was it? Corona malt beverage? What were we doing? Uh, yeah, we had a whole mix and I and I enjoyed it. And it is great to have you back. Prodigal Son is here. Had a nice interview with Kay Rich, Kyle Richardson. We will get into that of Roto Ball a little bit later. I want to get your reaction on that. We have a bunch of other interviews coming up. So the, the listeners, please pay attention because we have some great things coming up for you. But we have a robust podcast, as always, and a lot to talk about. So let's hit quarter one news and notes. Well, I'm sure you follow Twitter because you're very good at such things on social media, much better than I am. And you probably saw that Julio Jones did, in fact, restructure his contract with the Falcons and got an additional $2.9 million in this year. So he's in camp. He's all set to go. There was a kid on Twitter who, who put his GIF, changed his GIF or his, his Twitter picture from Julio Jones. So, Scott, he is back with the Falcons. What do you think about this? How does this affect Ridley? How does it affect Sanu? He's back in camp. Is that going to help him stay healthy? Uh, yeah, I would think so. I mean, listen, they, they had to do something, right? I mean, if he was threatening to miss extended time. I mean, this is, you know, you know how I feel about Julio Jones' injury history and stuff like that. But this is, you know, your biggest weapon there outside of your running backs. I don't think it affects Ridley and Sanu much. I think, you know, whatever they were going to give you, they're going to give you anyway. Now, uh, this doesn't change it. Julio's still there. He's going to give you what he was going to give you, and that is top-flight wide receiver numbers. So this was good to get done, get it out of the way. Yeah, but you know what bothers me? He had a contract that front-loaded his deal. That's what was negotiated. It kind of bothers me. And I get it. One injury, he's gone. His career is probably 12, 13 years. But when you sign a contract that's heavily front-loaded, I don't know. It just rubs me the wrong way. I get it's capitalism, but like, you know. A lot of us, and I think rapid reaction, we tend to like side with the owners in situations like this, but the players are the ones that are really taking the beating. And 
and whatnot guess, on their bodies. I guess, and then, I guess. You know, I, I, I guess you just have to try and t- look out for yourself. We're seeing it more and more often now. I mean, you know, the, the, the big money talk girl he got, you know, Le'Veon Bell is, you know, telling people he's happy girl he got that money because that's what he thinks he's going to get now next year. So it, it, it's just these guys are laying themselves out on the line. And Julio knows he's a bit fragile. So in those nagging injuries that maybe last a week or two, one of those is eventually going to last longer than a week or two, and that's what he's trying to, I guess, uh, avoid happening or avoid ruining a future payday down the road. Guys, fantastic. Each of the last four years, 1,400 yards receiving or more. Only guy to do that, Antonio Brown. Next one, Scott, very interesting to me. Packers fourth-round wide receiver Jamon Moore is already working with the first-team offense at training camp. I picked this one out, and I want to get your opinion. It's very simple. You're already on record by saying you're not crazy this year about Devontae Adams, maybe a little bit lower on him than consensus. We certainly know your thoughts on Randall Cobb. I believe you told me that you don't see Jimmy Graham as an 80 reception guy, maybe a high touchdown guy, but not an 80 reception guy. So my question to you is, if Jamon Moore beats out Geronimo Allison, and I put out a tweet from Player Profiler, if you look at their metrics, workout metrics, Jamon Moore blows him away. Do you like Jamon Moore if he wins that job? Because you got to like somebody if Aaron Rodgers stays healthy, no? Yeah, I mean, if he wins that job, it would be intriguing to me. I think the, what's going to happen here with, with Rodgers and the Packers, it's just going to be a mix to everybody. I don't think there's going to be someone that's going to clear-cut, take 140, 145 targets, so be, or you know, something along those lines. I know everybody thinks Devontae Adams can, and maybe he will. He's got the talent. I, I, I think Cobb just isn't as good as he used to be, so... I think Allison has a chance here to be that number three. I would lean that way. It's very early in training camp. I'm sure they're going to look at a lot of these guys getting first-team reps just to see what they can do. I think as we get into the preseason, see one or two games, and if they start, if he starts to separate himself from Allison and shows us something, it would be intriguing to me because of the quarterback that's throwing, you know, who's throwing him the football. But I need to see it a little bit first to say, you know, Jamon Moore is going to be a guy I'm going to target in my redraft. It is the way Devontae Adams popped, right? Jordy Nelson was the one, then Jordy Nelson got hurt, right? James Jones was there catching touchdowns, but not much else. So this sort of was the narrative. So if you're right about Cobb and Cobb is washed, Jamon Moore, even if if Devontae Adams only gets 70 receptions, 80 receptions, whatever you're going to plug Adams in for – Jamon Moore is looking, or that third wide receiver, I should say, is looking like at 60 receptions, right? Which is pretty great value. Jamon Moore, you can get in the last round of redraft leagues, right? Yeah, I would I would put that, that wide receiver three at about 60 receptions, you know, but it could be a three and a four where they you know, get about 40, 45 each. Maybe Allison and, and Jamon Moore, maybe that takes away value from both of them. So I think the ball's going to be spread around a lot. I'm on record saying that Jimmy Graham is going to be an inside the 20 guy. I, I, I wouldn't see any more than 50 receptions for Jimmy Graham. So you're right, it's got to go somewhere. I mean, I think Adams will have his a nice season. I'm just not pegging him for 100 catches and, you know, 1,300 yards like a lot of people are. I, that's really what it comes down to for me. I understand your Adams' concern. The question is whether Rodgers can throw him open like he does with Jordy Nelson. I, I get it. Adams is not this metric darling that's, like, super fast. I get it. Next one is a defensive concern, but it is certainly relevant to fantasy football. Unfortunately, the Chargers just keep hitting this incredible, incredibly awful luck. Hunter Henry gone, and now Jason Verrett has tore his Achilles and is out for the rest of the season. He, he was Pro Bowl status in 2015, but he has had knee injuries, season-ending knee injuries in 2016 and 2017, and now this year, again, he is out. So, 
Jason Varek gone. He is a top cornerback. They already have Casey Hayward, but that's going to hurt the Chargers. And Scott, that could help other wide receivers in the division like Amari Cooper. Obviously, it, it doesn't hurt Amari Cooper. I mean, this has become the norm for Verrett here. Right? You know, this is three years in a row now with season ending injuries. Yeah, I guess he's just kind, kind of snake bitten. And then this happens during a conditioning test. So, like, what, what kind of conditioning test are we running here that we're going to lose a guy to a season ending injury? So, it, it's a tough blow for San Diego. I think it's still they're going to be pegged by a lot of people to be one of those teams that can make some noise out west and in the AFC. Casey Hayward's still there. They got Desmond King, Trevor Williams as well in the secondary. So it's a it's a tough loss for them. I think they'll still be able to stick around and you know make some noise with those cornerbacks in a defensive back situation. But it does help. You know the the, the so called number ones in that in that division, the Amari Coopers, the Demarius Thomases. I would assume the Tyreek Hills or the Sammy Watkins, whoever would you know, line up sure. there yeah. against the Reds. Yeah. So it, it does help those guys, and it's, but it helps them for two games. So you know, in case Hayward will move around a little bit now and have to play a bigger role. Uh, but I, I don't think I don't think it's deflating to the Chargers season by any stretch. No, it doesn't. They just their margin of error is getting slimmer and slimmer. That noise you heard while you were doing a great job, you're sending pictures grilling. You're an excellent grill master down there at the shore. That sound you heard was me in depression because Delaney Walker signed a two-year, $17 million contract extension, which means that Delaney Walker is going to be the tight end on the Titans until 2020, which means Jonu Smith is not going to be the starting tight end for a couple more years. My dynasty tight end, Delaney Walker, that will keep him in Tennessee through age 36. He has been a top five or six tight end. How's he going to do this year? Yeah, I mean, he's going to be right there again. Uh, if you had you know, looked at my my tight end rankings, I believe I had him fourth on my list, uh, the top ten that I put out about a week and a half ago. And that's where, you know, he's going to be right there. He's consistent. The reception numbers are there. The yardage numbers are 800 and above the past four years in Tennessee. Touchdown numbers are good for a tight end. He's got 20 over the past four years, 26 if you stretch it back for five. And he's got a, you know, he's just a consistent threat, a consistent target. And this does make John Smith now irrelevant pending injury for the next couple of years. So maybe that means they're not, they're not too high on John Smith. You know, if you're going to lock up this, now, soon to be a 34-year-old tight end in Delaney Walker. He'll be 34 in August. You're locking him up for another two years. You're trusting he's going to be good to go for a couple more years. Instead of put your boy on the back burner, but Delaney Walker, I have him, like I said, number four in my top ten, and I think it's just a good match with him and Mariota. With the running back situation there, we both think Derrick Henry explodes. Deion Lewis compliments Henry. Then the wide receivers, it's, it's a nice um, offensive mix uh, in, in Tennessee. The potential is there for a very entertaining season for the Titans. I know you're going to believe this. I saved a tweet already in my phone of Jim Carrey typing the keyboard really quickly. I'm saving it for when Delaney Walker gets injured to put out fantasy owners rushing to the waiver wire to pick up a claim, put a claim in for Jadu Smith. I've saved it. I have. But you're right. Is Delaney Walker's there? John Smith and Redraft's not draftable. Now, I have had just about enough of hearing from Pete Carroll this offseason. Yeah, Pete, Pete, Pete okay. Carroll. <laughs> it, listen, it's very simple. I understand that they think Rashad Penny is clearly the be-all and end-all because they have a terrible defense. Their offensive line is better but not great. They certainly need help at wide receiver and, of course, tight end. No disrespect to your guy from Carolina last year, Ed Dixon. 
Chris Carson has been working as the Seahawks' number one running back throughout the first two days of camp. And after every single practice, Pete Carroll is telling you that this guy is absolutely unbelievable. Partner, either one of two things is going to happen. Either Pete Carroll can simply never be trusted again in what he says in the offseason or they made a mistake picking Rashad Penny if they like Chris Carson this much. Because you can't have it both ways. I understand hyping the guy to get the rookie to work hard. But to me, he's a little bit over the top right now. Don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is more of they may have made a mistake. And that's not to you know, knock Rashad Penny. I mean, I think this team had different areas they could have addressed. Um, especially if they were – and they talked about Carson like this last preseason, if you remember. And then, they, of course, he got hurt, didn't really get going. And when he did, he, he averaged over four a clip. He had a couple of catches. He looked like he could, you know, be a, uh, an impact player. I won't say, you know, an RB1, but someone you could you could rely on for a couple of weeks here and there. Uh, with, the, with the way that defense is now in flux, with everybody departing, Sherman's gone, the Legion of Boom is broken up, Earl Thomas wants out, but they won't let him go. Maybe that pick could have been used to help solidify that defense again. So I I don't think this is a coach speak thing. I think they are high on Chris Carson, and it's going to make things interesting when it comes, especially in redraft, even dynasty at this point, because, you know, Rashad Penny is very high up in dynasty league and he is draft, being drafted relatively early, and Chris Carson is going extremely late. So it's which, which route do you go? What do you believe? You know, not that I believe what everything Pete Carroll is saying. I I like Chris Carson. I think I've said that a few times on this on this podcast already. It, it's it's interesting, but yeah, he he can stop talking. It's not even August yet. Give me give me the middle of August and let's find out who you really like. Scott, I can take one or two. It's every day. It's every, he's a yeah. great player, even on special team. I mean, it's out of control. I mean, this is Landanian like Tomlinson. Nothing else to talk about now. You know, that, that, like I said, that defense is all busted up. No one else is there to do talking. So someone's got to do it right. I guess it's going to be the head coach for a little while. Maybe maybe a little bit of deflection. You, know, you like to say I do that a lot in uh, arguments that we have. I try to uh, change topics or you know have people look at one thing as opposed to the other. Maybe that's what he's doing here with Carson. Or it could be just strictly trying to set up a little bit of competition to really light a fire under the rookie, which, let's be honest, I mean, if you need a fire lit you know, as a rookie, 27th overall, then there's some issues there as well. I love you because you just give me the segues without even knowing where I'm going. I was about to say for this next news and notes, you know, the way you argue is infuriating to me. You just bring stuff up that has nothing to do with the argument. And I've never met anyone like you in my life. It's absolutely infuriating. You don't stay on the point. But I now have met someone or at least now know someone on Twitter who argues like you. Des Bryant. <laughs> Des Bryant exploded on social media, reacted off one tweet that came down about how the Cowboys were saying good riddance. He starts bringing up Jerry is naive, but Steven isn't. The play calling's bad. Sean Lee's a snake. What are you? And then people are saying, why are you overreacting? And he goes, I'm not overreacting. Des, you put out about 65 tweets in a matter of five hours. That's reacting. So what do you take about this Des Bryant stuff with Dallas? And do you buy the Cleveland Plain Dealer report that the Browns have reached out to Des Bryant? And of course, 
tie in the fact that Josh Gordon is not at training camp and was announced not being there. Give me your summary, your Scotty summary of the Des Bryant situation. I have to argue with you like that because you're, you're, you have one argument. It's the same argument every single week, every single year. It's a Steeler bias thing. I say, tell Le- me something negative about a Steeler. Tell me one thing. I say, Le'Veon Bell's an RB one. Oh my God, no, he can't be the RB. No, no, <laughs> Antonio Brown's a wide receiver one. During during the season, I get texts from you saying Antonio Brown is Jesus. But yeah, when I come out and say Antonio Brown is wide receiver, I never one, criticize your Antonio Brown part. No, I'm fine with Antonio Brown. It's 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 really bad. It's really Ben Roethlisberger. To be fair, it's the Ben Roethlisberger stuff. Do me a favor, just on this podcast, publicly pronounce your love for the Tennessee Titans, okay? Because Jonu Smith, Marcus Mariota, I do, I Demarco do. Murray, I have a weak point. Derek I Henry. Do. You're right. This you're is right. your closet team, the Tennessee. I, I, I do. You're right. I like to. I do. You're right. You're correct. You're a Cowboy fan. Who, no. who jumped ship? Not a cowboy. Sure I disown them. That. I disown them. I divorced them. People get divorced. Why can't I divorce my team? <laughs> I get divorced. I yeah. said I anyway, did not so- like the way that. When am I rooting for the Cowboys? Seriously, fifteen years ago? It doesn't matter. That's. I've been a Steeler. I've been a Steeler fan for twenty five years. I disown as long them. as I can remember. I told so, you. You right. know this. I told you. I disowned the Cowboys because I didn't like the direction that Jerry Jones is. And by the way, there was somebody on the Matt Kelly podcast who said the same thing. He's like, I'm no longer a Cowboy fan. So it does happen. Other people do do it. But I may have a weak spot for Tennessee. Next time they get to the Super Bowl, Mike will be out there flying nah, down for the nah, break. Nah, nah, nah. Hopefully, we'll be there podcasting. Hopefully, we'll be podcasting from it. That's that's what. Hey, I mean. live podcast. Let's do it, bro. <laughs> live podcast from Jerry World. I'm in. Uh, the Des Bryant thing. Listen. It, First off, if you're unemployed and you're looking for a job, you probably don't want to bash your former employer because that doesn't look good on a potential new employer. But be that as it may, the Josh Gordon thing went from he's going to be out for a little bit just trying to get himself in order to now. You know, if you listen to Hugh Jackson the other day in a press conference I heard when I was down the shore, they they don't know when he's going to come back or what the situation is. So that that's you're up in the air. You bring in Des Bryant. Does that mean bye bye Corey Coleman? What 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 does that mean in Cleveland? I mean, he's going to get a job somewhere, right? I mean, you figure someone's going to give him a one year contract, and maybe he can learn how to separate or you know catch a ball where he has to fight with somebody. And Cleveland seems to be the area where they all go, right? Just it's Cleveland or Cincinnati. Just everybody's going there, and because Cleveland Cleveland rock. Yeah, yeah, Cle- Cleveland rocks. Yeah, they're going. They're, they're, Drew Carey used to say that <laughs> they can win the Super Bowl this year if you listen to Jarvis Landry. They're Super Bowl bound. Oh, they're winning the that first game, bro. So, I'm telling you, they're going to win that uh, first game. Yeah, well. You, Todd you Haley, Haley revenge you, game. Todd Haley revenge game. <laughs> you haven't put your money where your mouth is yet. I put it out there for you. You've got to do it. So, uh, <laughs> Todd Haley revenge game. If Des Bryant goes there, what what is he? He's not a number one. He's not going to be a number two. What's he going to be? A, a red zone guy, and we, he can't really even get that job done anymore. So, I don't know how relevant he'd be if he went there with Tyron throwing the ball. And then you, if think they had he, a, you think he'd send Corey Coleman to Dallas? You think he'd do that if he goes there? Think they trade Corey Coleman? I think Corey Coleman would be on his way out, and okay. Dallas, I guess, would be a, a, a prime landing spot as they're still looking for uh, for somebody to catch the ball. You know, I like Hearns, and then the, after that, it's everybody's up in the air between Beasley, Gallup, and Terrence Williams, and there's we don't know who's playing tight end. I don't know if it's Jerry from the bar down the street no, playing tight terrible. end. Terrence tight ends are terrible. Uh, yeah, there's terrible. nothing going on there in Dallas. Terrible. So Awful. Maybe, maybe that's a spot for Corey Coleman. It'd be, in, it'd be interesting, and then uh, we'd have a little Twitter feud all year long. Des versus Corey Coleman. Oh, Corey Coleman. Corey Coleman, not even close. Yeah, I know. That's another guy you've, you've been in love with since he was drafted, and we've heard absolutely nothing from Corey Coleman. I'm, I'm my own man. I make my own decisions. I stick with them right or wrong. Sure. Here's a couple quick ones, and then we'll finish up. I just want rapid fire. Josh Dotson, Jay Gruden at the Redskins, said that Josh Dotson will be the most dangerous in the red zone this year. Are you buying it up, taking his red zone targets? I am a little bit, especially with Alex Smith there. I think that could that could be a, a, a good matchup for Dotson. 
you know, Cousins leaned on his tight ends a lot, especially inside the 20. So it's a little change of pace. I like Alex Smith and Dotson have a bit of a red zone connection. In Baltimore, Smoke Brown continues to stand out among the team's wide receivers. John Brown has a thousand yard season. Could he do it again this year? No. And Elijah McGuire is going to open the season on the IR. Talk about the impact that that has for both Bilal Powell, who people were saying was a possible cut candidate, which is not going to happen now, and one of my other favorite sleepers that you make fun of, Isaiah Crowell. Yeah, well, I think this boosts Crowell big time uh, because I, they liked McGuire, uh, and I think he was going to cut into the time of Crowell. So now I think Crowell steps out here as your, as your, as your first and second down back, and they'll probably use Powell on third down a little bit. And, and whatnot, but um, this is this is good for Crowell. It should increase uh, Crowell's value. I know they're looking at an Alfred Morris or an Orleans Darqua. Really wouldn't worry about that. That's probably going to be depth, you know, filling replacements. That's it. So Crowell takes a step up here, and especially with the news that uh, Sam Darnold's yet to come uh, to camp, right? Uh, so who's going to be quarterback in there? Is it going to be Josh McCown or Teddy Two Gloves? And we say it all the time, folks. You have to listen to the information. You have to get the information on, on social media, the beat writers and everybody, and then make your own decisions. Because, of course, partner, my favorite one is that we were getting tweets all over the place that Josh Allen was overthrowing every receiver left and right in Bill's camp. And then one came out today at 2 o'clock from Joe Buscalia on WKBW up in Buffalo that says that Josh Allen has been the best quarterback at camps thus far. <laughs> so Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it's amazing. It's, it's a really interesting situation too because I, I was on you know a couple episodes ago I, I said that you know you, you made this trade for AJ McCarron for him to to be the starting quarterback but the more and more I think about what the Bills are up there and they're going to be a very bad team I I don't know why you wouldn't just throw this kid out there from week one and just you know welcome to the league and, and get adjusted learn on the fly you know he's going to be David Carr remember David Carr got knocked out got knocked out of the league he was good he just got hit too much yeah I mean maybe he maybe he will be but you know we, we got to you know you gotta stop babying these guys. I mean, we watch baseball nowadays, and it's baby, baby all these pitchers. You know, these kids are coming in. If the Bills had any ambitions of being good, it's a different story. I mean, not that AJ McCarron is, you know, a proven veteran. I mean, he's a veteran in the league, but a proven backup veteran. And then we know what Nathan Peterman is. But the, the team's not going to be that good. And maybe when you have a running back, if McCoy does play and he he gets past all his legal issues and he's there week one, when you have a versatile back like McCoy. Can help yourself ease into the league a little bit, ease into some games, you know, because you do a lot of drop offs and whatnot, and get just get yourself going. I don't know. I mean, it's still early, but I'd watch this situation. Maybe he's worth just throwing out there from week one. He won't be fantasy relevant right away, but dynasty league stashers, at least you'll know what you get to start to see a little bit of what you might have in the future. Hey, and that orphan I had on Dynasty Trade Calculator that I took over, I traded Alex Smith for Josh Allen. So away we go. Let's head into quarter two. There's the whistle. So, partner, I want to summarize my interview with Kyle Richardson. Want to, again, folks, please follow him at krich1532 for Rotoballer. Senior writer there, has multiple podcasts, does a great job, super nice guy. Came on, gave us a lot of information. I'm just going to go through a couple of the points he made, man, and you give your reaction. Tell me what you think. He talked about quarterbacks, and he said that he likes to wait on quarterbacks, certainly, which I think we both like to do. He says he feels that the the rookie quarterbacks are going to make a limited impact this year. Hard to really see anything. Maybe Baker may feel, but he wasn't sure exactly how many games he'll start. He thinks Lamar Jackson could possibly line up in a variety of different spots. But then we got to Patrick Mahomes. And he says that even though I read off the stats for Manning, Brady, Rodgers, and Luck in the first full year as a starter, 3,700 passing yards, 23.7 touchdowns, 17.8 interceptions, he has Pat Mahomes as his QB 13. So he has him, Scott, right outside the top 12. What are your thoughts on Mahomes? He certainly has a lot of weapons. I talked about it there. Kareem Hunt was the PPR 
uh, running back four. Tyreek Hill was the PPR wide receiver nine. And Travis Kelsey was the PPR tight end one. So if, you ha- if you're going to have a rookie succeed, that's pretty strong. I mean, Peyton Manning had Marvin Harrison. He also had Marshall Falk, by the way, his rookie year. I, didn't, I forgot about that. But where are you on Patrick Mahomes? Do you agree with Kyle that he's right outside of QB1 and you think he's going to be a lot worse? Yeah, I mean, first off, thanks to Kyle for hopping on. It definitely it was a, it was a good good uh, interview with you guys on there. It was uh, great to fill in on the show and you know get some vital information out for everybody. So thank you to Kyle for doing that. As far as Mahomes go, I, I'm not putting him in, in the top 12. I know he's got him 13. I'm going to put him more towards that second tier, um, you know, top 16, 17 in that area. I think he'll be okay. I don't know if he's going to be lights out from from the. You know, from Jump Street, it, it, it's a completely different style. You go from Alex Smith to Mahomes, Mahomes with the big arm. Many people think it'll benefit a Tyreek Hill, a benefit of Sammy Watkins, where he can maybe revive his career and whatnot. And, and you know, Travis Kelsey will just do what Kelsey does anyway. But I'm not ready to anoint Mahomes as a as a top 12 or fringe top 12 quarterback. Uh, so for me, I'm kind of with you on that. I'll lean out more towards 16, 17 in that area from Mahomes. And then I went through some polarizing players with him. Let's just do a rapid reaction. He did love Amari Cooper. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, in the, I'm definitely in a minority on Amari Cooper, and, I, and that's fine. You know, you're used, you're used to being in the minority. I am, you know? yeah, I am. I so so that, that's the route I am. Listen, I've liked Cooper for a while. I just don't know if he's as good as we initially thought he was. The drops are a worrisome. And now he's going to be the number one target. He's not going to have Crabtree around to help take away some pressure and whatnot. Brian is there. We know what Brian is. He has talent, but he, he's a big play guy. He'll have weeks, like you say, of two catches. Three <laughs> Suspended. Catches. <laughs> Suspended. Well, I, I, you know, I, I think by now we would have got a little more information on that. So you can keep hoping he's going to be suspended. And then Jordy, Jordy Nelson is what Jordy Nelson is. He's, he's a good receiver. But now we're going to find out, was he an Aaron Rodgers made receiver, right? Was he, he's one of those guys where the quarterback made you better than you really were. We'll find that out now in Oakland. Not saying Derek Carr is bad, but he's not Aaron Rodgers. But I just think now Cooper going to be getting all this pressure that he's going to – it's going to be tough for him to live up to it. I mean – you, you you're pegging this guy at 100 catches and what 1300 yards yeah. he's got a, it's been a while since he got close to that if he's even has gotten close to that so i just i'm just not as high on him as everybody else is i think the other guys will get some looks and you know i am high on jared cook as a sleeper tight end so surprisingly he was not high on derrick henry uh, yeah, as much as we were, you know, we we can skip Henry because we've talked about him so much. But again, he's in the camp of Deion Lewis. He feels that they paid him. They're going to give him the ball and just doesn't see Derrick Henry getting the upside. But he did mention that the Derrick Henry truthers are violent in their responses on Twitter, which I told him I was one of them. He actually likes in Jacksonville Keelan Cole. And listen, I understand that Keelan Cole may not be exciting and that may have a lot, have a lot of pizzazz. But that's our job, man, is to find these sort of diamonds in the rough that can give you wide receiver three, wide receiver two production. He he likes Keelan Cole the best of the bunch there, and he believes that small sample size that happened last year could propel him to do a nice job. There's Moncrief there, who they paid in the offseason, but he always gets injured. Marquis Lee's really a slot guy, right? They have DJ Chark, the rookie. There's D.D. Westbrook, but he feels Keelan Cole is going to be the best of the bunch down in Jacksonville. What say you? I kind of agree with him on this. I mean, I, it is a small sample size, and, and one of our one of our uh, buddies that's in one of our leagues, uh, Old Swaggerlicious, he, he pointed Keelan Cole out to me a couple weeks ago as well as being watched watch this guy as a sleeper uh, this year as a wide receiver. You know, Hearns is gone. Uh, Robinson's gone. Yeah, they bring in Safarian Jenkins as a tight end. But that, that wide receiver one position is there for someone to take. Only 42 catches last year, but 17.8 per catch, nearly 750 yards on 42 catches and three touchdowns. So if you kind of prorate this and you give him a 90-catch year, just say you went 90 catches, this he 
projected to be almost 1,400 yards if he kept up that clip, which is obviously tough to do going nearly 18 yards a catch. But I, I think there is some value here. And in, in, in some leagues, going really late. Some not even getting drafted at all. So, you know, Bortles got to find someone he likes. Uh, Westbrook showed some flashes last year. Marky Slee, I'm with you, more of a slot guy. And I've never really been a, a fan of Dante Moncrief. He couldn't get it going with, with Andrew Luck, and then he was just inconsistent through his entire tenure in Indianapolis. So I think Keelan Cole has a, has a chance to uh, make a little bit of an impression this year in Jacksonville. Next, we'll go to Detroit. He talked about Golden Tate. He thinks Golden Tate's going to give fantasy owners one more season. He's had the four years in a row of the 90-plus receptions. Marvin Jones went down today in practice with an ankle scare, but I saw on online that he is fine. He said, I'm good to go. Uh, certainly Kenny Galladay, we get a boost there. But Golden Tate in the slot has been a habitual slow starter, but then always catches fire. He feels Golden Tate's going to give you another really solid, almost, he said, wide receiver one performance this year. I agree. Um, I talked about Golden Tate. I think in my the solo I did last week, it was uh, you know one of those guys that it's just – you're saying it's death taxes and, and a certain player. Golden Tate just being very consistent, ultra, you know, three three thousand yard years in the past four, ninety catches four straight. There's no real reason why he should go backwards. Matthew Stafford is still throwing the ball at a, a very very high level. He's actually getting better as he gets older. That only helps Golden Tate. It'll help Marvin Jones, and it will help Kenny Galladay get really involved in this offense as well. So yeah, I agree. Golden Tate is is one of those guys that's disrespected doesn't get enough respect, and uh, just produces uh, year in, year out. You know, the next one was Doug Baldwin, and he's with me. It's sort of the Amari Cooper syndrome, except going a little more north, that Doug Baldwin is going to be fed. Russell Wilson is going to have negative game script because the defense is not going to be as good. He's been able to finish as the QB3 and the QB4 and the QB1 last year, even with a strong defense, which you would think would be a lot of running. So even though you have Brian Schottenheimer there, even though he's failed to produce a wide receiver one in all of those years, even though he loves to run the ball, student body left, student body right, even though Pete Carroll's telling you that Chris Carson is the second coming of Latanian Tomlinson, could Doug Baldwin, on sheer volume alone, really push himself to the upper echelon of fantasy wide receiver ones this year? I think that all depends on what Tyler Lockett does. Uh, is this the year that Tyler Lockett finally takes that step forward and becomes a significant fantasy contributor. You know, that rookie year, he had six touchdowns, 51 catches. It's been downhill since. If Tyler Lockett, who's going to line up here as a number two, I know Brandon Marshall was brought in there. You know, they, they lose guys. Uh, Richardson's gone and so forth. Jimmy Graham is gone. So th- these targets got to go somewhere. If Tyler Lockett takes the next step and is able to, to become fantasy relevant, it'll hurt Doug Baldwin a little bit. But if he can't, and no one else could grab this job. And Baldwin's looking at 140, 145 targets. I mean, looking at big numbers here because, like you said, negative game script is where they're probably going to be at with that defense in shambles. And it obviously looks like a bit of a turning point for Seattle after all that success. So Tyler Lockett is huge in the success of Doug Baldwin. And the last one he talked about was Jarek McKinnon. He likes Jarek McKinnon. They spent a lot of money for him. He thinks because of PPR and because of Kyle Shanahan's reputation that Jarek McKinnon is going to be good to go. He's bulking up. We saw the pictures of him lifting. He feels like, yes, he understands the concerns of Jarek McKinnon. He's never had a workload this much, but they paid a lot for him. Matt Breida, I know he was okay. Joe Williams, Kyle Shanahan pounded the table, but simply because of his reception ability and most importantly, Kyle said because of Shanahan with those Tevin Coleman, Devontae Freeman backs, he feels Jarek McKinnon is going to be in RB1 and PPR formats. I mean, I'm with him on McKinnon too. I like McKinnon. I think he's, he's going to be there with Shanahan to be that Devontae Freeman type. You know, I don't know 
you know, his his ADP just keeps kind of rising here, and he's now being drafted ahead of Devontae Freeman, ahead of Jordan Howard, ahead of LaShawn McCoy, who I understand has got some question marks. That's part of the reason why his ADP is dropping. But now he's a, he's the 12th overall running back at PPR formats per fantasy pros at the moment. So he continues to creep up. But I, I like McKinnon. They brought him in for a reason. Hyde's gone. We saw a little bit of Matt Breida. Not sure if he's an answer there. And McKinnon's going to get some carries on first and second down, but he's he's going to be out there for, for the downs that count. The third down, those passing situations, makes him a, a very, very viable PPR threat. So I like McKinnon. I don't want to see him start now creeping up into that top 10 category in ADP because then I think we may be getting a little ahead of ourselves. But I do like McKinnon uh, this year, and I think he can make an impact in San Francisco. And most importantly, partner, he said he likes pineapple on pizza like I do. Your thoughts? Uh, I don't agree with you guys on that one. That was <laughs> on the pineapple. Meat lovers all the way for me, my friend, or our margarita pie work. Third quarter. All right, third quarter, Mike. We'll kind of change it up a little bit. It was again great interview you had with Kyle, and uh, you know we appreciate him coming on. And for the third quarter, wanted to look at a different sort of topic. Uh, want to look at teams that are losing a lot of targets, so teams that have given up vacated targets by players departing, uh, some new players coming in. See how you feel and who can pick up these targets, where they're going to go, who makes an impact. There's some three three teams here. Some of this information came from FantasyKnuckleheads.com. They had a, an article out there, kind of picked it apart a little bit, looked at it. They targeted three teams, so I'll start with you. The Baltimore Ravens from last year have lost, will have lost 332 targets, vacated targets. Guys that are gone, Mike Wallace, Jeremy Macklin, Ben Watson. In, Michael Crabtree, Willie Sneed. We already talked about Brown, and then whoever is going to play tight end. Is it going to be the rookie Hayden Hurst and so forth? So 332 vacated targets. Who's the biggest beneficiary? Where are they going? Are we splitting them up? Who's getting the most? Well, I'm glad you brought this up. I don't know if you know, but I'm uh, hosting the Rotoviz RV32 series, and I happen to interview Baltimore Luke, Luke Jones, uh, in case you didn't know that. Ha, ha, ha. Just want to put out the shameless plug. Uh, and tomorrow night I'm doing Houston, by the way, Scott. John McClain, huge beat writer for Houston. But getting back to Baltimore, I'm going to go with Luke Jones. I like what he said. He told me that obviously Crabtree is very, very safe, but he feels that the guy who is way under the radar, especially for fantasy owners, is Willie Sneed. He said Smoke Brown's going to get the bombs. Smoke Brown's going to get the feast or famine stuff. But Willie Sneed is going to work those underneath intermediate routes, even though you have Ozzie Newsom as your general manager, even though they took Hayden Hurst and Mark Andrews. He said this is a team that likes to run. And if those guys can't block effectively, they are not going to be on the field. So he anticipates Flacco being at his best again when he has that safety valve over the middle. And it used to be Dennis Pitta. But he's not there anymore, and he doesn't think the tight ends can step into that role. So you know I love Crabtree. I think he's a great value. You know I also tend to shy away from these feaster, famine, John Brown, Deshaun Jackson guys. So honestly, I'm not telling you Willie Sneed's going to be a wide receiver too. That's not what I'm saying. But would I be comfortable on a streaming way, in in, in streaming wide receivers, to have Willie Sneed as my third wide receiver? three to four times this year in a home matchup, absolutely 100%. Yeah, I mean, you know, let, take so last year out injuries and whatnot, but you go back to two previous years, 101 targets, 104 targets, nearly cracked 1,000 yards in 2015, and yeah, 895 the year after that, again, with Drew Brees indoors in the Dome. 
But that's a nice target share, you know, 101 and 104, and you're going to go to a team that's starving for receivers to step up ever since your boy Steve Smith left them. So, you know, Willie Sneed, I, I like, and, you know, I think we tend to forget he's only 25. He's still young. Uh, you know, we, we feel like he's been around long, but, he, you know, he's only been in the league a couple of years, and he never really got a chance to really break out in New Orleans. Now you put him on a team that's desperate for the receivers. Yeah, he could uh, definitely – Target check could go to him. I, I mean, I agree. Crabtree will probably be the top guy to get them all, get most of them. But Sneed right there as well as number two. Right now, Crabtree is wide receiver 28. And Sneed and Smoke Brown are not even in the top 68. So these are guys you could get very, very late. If you don't, if I don't get Crabtree, I'm coming after Sneed. How about that one? Can't go wrong with that. I think Willie Sneed, yeah, you're right. Not even in, wow, Willie Sneed, you can't find him on, on the sheet. Right, right. Fantasy pro is crazy. But the, the targets are there. If he's healthy, he can get it. No reason you can't get 100 targets in the Ravens. Absolutely, yes, yes. Another team uh, loses a lot of targets, 290 of them. That's the Dolphins. And really, for the most part, a good bulk of them lost by Jarvis Landry. I think a lot of fantasy players out there are looking that, you know, the quick answer is Devontae Parker is going to be the guy to pick up all these targets. And I think that's what a lot of people are hoping for. I think you and I think a little bit differently. I think, we, you know, you kind of got me a little bit on the Albert Wilson train. Danny Amendola is there now. So who... Who's going to pick up these targets in Miami? Is it Parker? Or are they going to be split up? Is Wilson there? And I also know that you like someone who's also still pretty young, and that's Mr. Kenny Stills. How many wide receivers have you seen over the course of your lifetime who failed to pop until year four? And I'm not looking for you to answer this, but think about it. Normally, they pop by the fourth year. Devontae Parker has had 26 receptions, 56 and 57. I'm off the Devontae Parker train. I just think we would have seen it by now. You want to say, well, Jay Cutler isn't any good? All right. Well, I hit Kenny Stills a couple times for some passes, and Jarvis Landry led the league in receptions with those guys. So you would think Devontae Parker would have popped. So therefore, I am going to go with Kenny Stills. I, I like Kenny Stills. I use uh, rlads.com. It's my favorite depth chart site. I just think it's easy to read. Right now, they have Devontae Parker. Kenny Stills, and Danny Amendola as the stars. Now, I do like Albert Wilson. I would not take Amendola over Wilson. Wilson is younger. Wilson is faster. I would take Wilson. You can get him for free. Leontay Carew has also been popping there from Rutgers. He's been doing some nice things. I think it's going to be Kenny Stills. Kenny Stills, if you remember, Scott, used to be the slot guy in New Orleans. He wasn't a deep guy. He was the slot guy there for years. And then all of a sudden, he goes to Miami, and he's hitting big play after big play. So why wouldn't I like a receiver that was able to be, you know, functional with Drew Brees. And then he goes to Miami and he's starting to burn people down the sideline. He's six feet, 195 pounds. And most importantly, man, as I told you, I don't hate players. I hate their ADPs. I like Kenny Stills ADP because I can get him at the end of drafts. And no, no fear that he's a little bit feast of famine. Last three years, catch percentage 42.9, 51.9, and 55.2. You know, only 58 catches on 105 targets last year, 42 on 81 the year before. Less, he caught less than 50% of them in 2015. So there's no fear here that he is in that Deshaun Jackson area. Well, here's my question. Yeah, kind the, of guy? the answer is yes. The, the answer is you're, you're totally 100% right. And Ryan Tannehill coming back is in Aaron Rodgers. I get it. But what I'm saying is I can get him for free. Uh, if you invest in Devontae Parker, what's, what's Devontae Parker going right now? He's probably going around, I always say five, somewhere in there. Where, where's the, where's Devontae? Yeah, where's he going? Is he wide in fantasy pros wide receiver 36? Yeah, 38. So he's going okay, round eight. He's going around eight. 
that's still an area where I can get value. If he bombs again, that's a disaster. Why? I'm taking Kenny Stills in round 12. You're right. But there was, just to show you, week seven, week eight, week nine last year. I'm sorry, week six, week seven, week eight, wide receiver 19, wide receiver two against the Jets in week seven, wide receiver 24. So three weeks in a row, partner, he gave you wide receiver two or better. I understand he's not going to get that all the time, but he was also the wide receiver three in week 11. Overall, PPR wide receiver three, seven receptions, 108 yards, and a touchdown. He was then the wide receiver nine in week 13, five receptions, 98 yards, one touchdown. For round 11 and round 12, how many top 10 wide receiver performances do you want? So I'm not saying I'm going to start him every week. No way. But honestly, if he gets hot early and you got him on your bench and you used a round 12 pick and you go, ah, Dolphins are home against the Bills, I'll start Stills. That's probably a pretty good performance for a wide receiver three, no? Kenny Stills or Keelan Cole? Stills. I simply like Kenny Stills. <laughs> I, I, I'm fine if you don't. I like him. My gut is telling me I like Kenny Stills. That's all I can say. Not saying I don't. I'm just looking to see where, where you go there, how far you go. Kenny Stills or Muhammad Sanu? Oh. Because I just read that Calvin Ridley got hurt. Mohamed Sanu. <laughs> if if Calvin Ridley's Mohamed out, Sanu, Mohamed, Mohamed Sanu. Sanu is going 12 spots behind Kenny Stills. If 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 Calvin Ridley's out, Mohamed Sanu. If Calvin Ridley is healthy for game one, I'll take Stills. I think Stills is going to be the wide receiver one there. I feel very confident about it. What I define that as, he will have the most fantasy points at the end of the year in PPR formats of the Dolphins receivers. Period. Not Book right. it. Not out of the question. All right. Third and final team vacated targets. Talk, talk, talked about them a little bit before, and that's the Cowboys. They lose 272 targets, albeit not valuable targets from Des Bryant. More valuable from Jason Witten. Those two guys are gone. Witten to the booth and retired. Des looking for a job, maybe Cleveland. You bring in Alan Hearns, who I like. You draft the rookie, Michael Gallup. And then you got the familiar faces there. Cole Beasley's there. Terrence Williams is still there. How do the Cowboys make up these 272 targets that are now gone? from the two guys that have been there the longest. Scott, it's simple math. Dak Prescott has completed 308 passes in last year's game, last year's season and 311 the year before. So Dak Prescott is very, very safe for at least 300 completions, okay? Give Zeke Elliott 50, and some people may think that's high, but give Zeke Elliott 50. That leaves conservatively 250 receptions, and you know where they're not going? Blake Jarwin as the tight end. So who is somebody has to catch these passes? I agree with you. I think you have to love Alan Hearns. I'm rooting for Michael Gallup, and he looked good in training camp. But I mean, I haven't heard anything from Marcus Mosier. If I do, I will certainly come on this pod and say it. I think you got to kind of like Cole Beasley, and you're not going to like that a lot. But I'm not saying Terrence Williams. And even if I give Alan Hearns 80 receptions, which would be an insane total, a career high total for him. Scott, we're still looking at 170 receptions left. So somebody's got to get him. Give Blake Jarwin 40, which is ridiculous. There's still 130. Give Cole Beasley 60, 50. What do you want to give him? So I think Cole Beasley, who is free, no one is drafting Cole Beasley. You can get him on the waiver wire after the draft. He's fine, and I'm with you. I think you have to go with Alan Hearns, right? That's where I'm going. Kenny Stills or Alan Hearns? Hearns. And Hearns is being drafted behind Stills right that's, now. So, well, that's insane. That That's nuts. Say, I, that, that's a little I crazy. I mean, listen, it just right on volume alone, volume he's alone. the number one. Yes. He, he, it, that's really what it comes down to, right? And you also got to figure that the Cowboys may be in more negative game yes, script than yes, positive game yes, script as yes. well, right? I mean, yes, uh, the, the, we know what the game plan is. Feed Zeke. Just keep feeding him and feeding him. But if you're down 14, you eventually got to try and do something else. 
So I think, again, volume there is for Hearns. I've never really been a Cole Beasley guy. I don't think you were for a while. I think you just – it's more of what you're saying. It's got to go Value, somewhere. You're yeah. not a Terrence – you're not a Terrence Williams guy. And I think if Michael if Michael Gallup can play and shows he can produce right away, he may be the second guy. Uh, but for me, I mean, Hearns, Hearns is going to be looking, what, 120 targets, 125 targets? I mean, he, targets are going to be there for Alan Hearns. Uh, he's he's been good enough to where if healthy, had to keep make a you know positive impact there for Dallas. I put this on Twitter tonight. You can't love Doug Baldwin and not love Alan Hearns. I, I agree. You can't. Yeah, they're the same. Right? It's the same rationale. Doug Baldwin's a wide receiver nine, and Alan Hearns is a wide receiver forty nine. Yep. So big big difference there. All right, whistle coming in quarter four, and for the fourth quarter, I look for something a little different that we can talk about, and I found a couple maybe. Maybe under the radar training camp fantasy battles is what I'm calling them here. Guys that are competing for not only the top position, you know, and in there where they are, running back, wide receiver, whatever it may be, but also the top fantasy position for us to, to look at. We have four situations here. Uh, we have two running backs and two wide receiver matchups. And first, we're going to start in Indianapolis. We've talked about this one a little bit, but there are three guys really with bicep Bob out for a while due to uh, his biceps. So we got Marlon Mack right now, who is the running back 33, Jordan Wilkins, number 65, and Naeem Hines, 49. These are three guys going to compete, trying to make a fantasy impact and also be the Colt lead running back. I think if you look at it right on paper, Marlon Mack, if healthy, will probably be that guy, get the first two down work, and then he's going to fight Wilkins for that, and then Naeem, Naeem Hines maybe coming in third down. But what are your thoughts on this situation here? Who could emerge out of these three guys to be the uh, – number one fantasy option for us as we head to redraft season. Partner, I saved the uh, Kyle Richardson comments on this till now because I knew we were going to talk about it. He likes Naheem Hines. I think he equates Hines' impact on the Colts very similarly to Kamara's impact on the Saints. You can't name the second receiver in Indianapolis. Maybe Deion Kane. He popped this week. I don't know. It's Jack, Jack Doyle. It's Jack Doyle. Right. Uh, which then Eric Ebron. So even if you say they're going to have a tremendous amount of tight end passes, sure. But maybe they're going to go to this up-tempo slash type of, of backfield. I like Marlon Mack. The argument – the Marlon Mack people are very polarizing. Either Marlon Mack was good and was held back by the offensive line – or he just wasn't very good and the offensive line had nothing to do with it. We're going to find out. I'm in the Marlon Mack camp. Gordon Wilkins, you hear a little bit about it. Listen, the running back with Andrew Luck is going to score, man. So maybe this is your team backfield. I, I don't think you take all three. I'm not sure Jordan uh, Wilkins is going to get the pass protection work like a Marlon Mack will, who, who's been there for a year. I'm Mack. Richardson Hines, what say you? I'm Mack also, but does it concern you that Frank Reich you know, with his offense, with a healthy luck, is going to really probably use more of a West Coast offense, and maybe the running backs won't have it as much of an impact as we would think they would. You know, if folk, you know, stuff like that, there'll be some passing to the running backs, and if that's the case, that may favor Hines. I mean, I'm with you on the Mac camp, but does the offensive scheme that Reich may bring in with a healthy luck concern you at all that the running backs maybe won't get as much as they should with the Andrew Luck back there? If they go West Coast offense, then Hines is going to pop. Then Hines is looking at fifty to sixty receptions. That's what I think because he's an expl- He's the most explosive guy. Max explosive, but Hines in the passing game is is beauty. So if that's the case and that's what happens, it's going to be Hines. All right, second matchup. More a couple of veteran running backs and very veteran in that in Oakland. Marshawn Lynch and Doug Martin. I mean, I think we've seen what Marshawn Lynch has done in the past with Seattle. I was not a big fan of him in Oakland last year. I'm still not a big fan. And then we know Doug Martin. Has been basically a perennial bust for outside of maybe one year in his breakout rookie season in 2012. So right now Lynch is 34, as the RB 34. 
Doug Martin, RB56. Does it matter who wins this battle in Oakland? Goal line touches alone. I mean, there's still Jalen Rashard there and DeAndre Washington are still there too. My guts is one of those guys that get traded before the season ends to, to a team that can use them. So you get Lynch and Martin. Can Doug Martin cut into Lynch's time here, or do you think Lynch is going to be the guy in Oakland? No, I'm starting to buy that they like Doug Martin a lot. I am worried about that, but I want to point out on player profiler, Marshawn Lynch last year was number one in juke rate, evaded tackles per touch at 43.6%. That's the type of player he is. He still has the wiggle even at age 32. If you like the Oakland offense and you think they're going to score, how would you not like a guy who had 891 rushing yards on it with a terrible offensive line last year and a terrible offense. He was third in yards created per carry, 1.99. He had number six overall and 452 yards created, and he only had a 50% snap share. I like Marshawn Lynch. I love the goal line backs. I think Doug Martin could be an issue, absolutely. But I don't know how you don't like Marshawn Lynch if you like goal line backs. If you go zero RB, I think Marshawn Lynch has to be on your team. Yeah, I mean, I guess this is just one of those situations. I'm not a big fan of either one of these backs. I'd actually prefer to see one of the younger guys get a chance to get a little more action. Rashard or Washington, whoever winds up staying there, maybe besides some third down work. Because, you know, those guys will be the one on third down. Neither one of these guys interests me. I really won't own any uh, piece of either one of these guys. But I just wanted to see your thoughts on these two. Uh, Third matchup here, Kevin White versus Anthony Miller. Does Kevin White still have a shot to make an impact for the Bears right now? Wide receiver 92, so you basically can get him off the waiver wire for nothing. And Anthony Miller, the rookie, is the wide receiver 59, so a fringe fringe pickup. Does he have a chance to line up outside the opposite side of Allen Robinson, uh, Anthony Miller? Can Kevin White, if he shows he's healthy, do anything here? Or is the Kevin White train left the yard and not coming back? When you're looking at your late round picks and you're looking at your round 10, round 12, you know, sort of flyers, what you're playing is variance. So you're saying, listen, I'm not guaranteeing that Anthony Miller is going to have a fantastic year. But what I'm looking at is, one, I love Anthony Miller. I like his talent. He's 23 years old, almost 24 out of Memphis. He's extremely skilled, can get open. Fantastic college dominator rating at Memphis, 40%, and a great spark score. So he's a talent. The reason I like him is because, let me ask you this. If I told you that Allen Robinson did not return to his 2015 season of 80 receptions, 1,400 yards, and 14 touchdowns because Mitchell Trubisky wasn't having a great year and he had he wasn't great on deep balls and Robinson was good but wasn't great, could you see that happening? I think you could. I mean, I think that's in the, I don't think Allen Robinson is, is put him in for 85 receptions with Mitch Trubisky in Chicago. No, no, he's not a lot for that. No. A- Anthony Miller is going to beat out Taylor Gabriel. Taylor Gabriel's a gadget guy yeah, who excelled yeah. in, in, in the, in the, on the turf inside. You like Trey Burton a lot better than I do. I like Anthony Miller. I love him in the slot. I'll do this. I think it's within his range of outcomes that Anthony Miller could lead this team in receiving. And no, I'm not on the Kevin White train. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, that's possible. I think another guy that could benefit here in this, and it wasn't in this matchup, but he doesn't even play this position, but it, it's Tariq Cohen. Tariq Cohen maybe gets lined up a little bit more than just a third down back. You could see him maybe lining up on a couple of slot plays where you put Howard and Cohen out there. And if Robinson does struggle a little bit, they're going to have to try to use their skill, still skill guys. So Cohen may pick up on the receptions part of it anyway. I'm with you on Anthony Miller. I prefer Anthony Miller to Kevin 
Kevin White. I think that train is over. But but that is a battle that's still going to go on. Someone's going to line up there as number two. And I'm sure they're very high on Miller. Uh, Kevin White just can't stay on the field. And you know I like Trey Burton, so I think Trey Burton will have a very nice year with Chicago. But there's no lock that Allen Robinson's an 85-catch guy. You know, there's no guarantee he goes back to that form of a couple years ago. you got to hope he does. I mean, you want you definitely want a guy like that to be able to go in and make an impact. But if he doesn't, someone has to produce, right? And the next logical name would be an Anthony Miller. Last one we got. Ted Ginn, Cameron Meredith, Saints wide receivers, looking to line up with Michael Thomas down there in New Orleans. Right now, Ted Ginn's wide receiver 64. Had a little bit of a resurgence last year, did Ginn, playing with Breeze in New Orleans. And then Cameron Meredith coming in from Chicago, where we just, oddly enough, Chicago looked for number two wide receiver. And there goes Meredith to New Orleans. So now Meredith and Ginn, I think you're on the Meredith train here. And you can explain why if you are. And are you worried at all about a... Uh, Rookie named Traquan Smith, who may push both for some playing time, the third-round selection for the Saints. I said earlier this offseason that Ted Ginn was a cut candidate if Traquan Smith really dominated in camp, and certainly he started today making a great catch. I am all aboard the Cameron Meredith train. Get me up and get me on there for a while. I'm not leaving. 25 years old, great catch radius, agility, burst score, and was efficient with Matt Barkley. In 2016, he was pulling in wide receiver nine weeks, wide receiver seven weeks, wide receiver four weeks. Scott, those were in consecutive order, 14, 15, and 16. Cam Meredith was a league winner in 2016 in the cold in Chicago with Matt Barkley. He's now with Drew Brees. He was super efficient. Drew Brees is super efficient. I am all aboard Cam Meredith. You can get him very late. He's healthy. He said he's going to be the wide receiver, too. Love Cam Meredith. Love him. Yeah, this is a good offense for him to go into. You know, I wouldn't say I'm worried about the injury, you know, coming off the injury, but I'm sure he'll be eased in a little bit, you know, especially probably during preseason, be eased in a little bit more than you normally would be. But this is a good situation for him to go to here in New Orleans in the Dome with Drew Brees. You know, Brees is going to be looking to sling it away, especially Ingram out for six weeks. So There'll be a lot of Kamara, but then a lot of throwing as well. And you know he's trying to get his team back to that promised land. So there'll be a lot of opportunities for Cameron Meredith. I like what Ted Ginn did last year. I think Ted Ginn can be a, a, one of those streaming week-to-week replacements if you need be like he kind of was last year. Because when you started to try and play him week in and week out, it really didn't work out. But if you could pick, a, pick the spots and find the week where you think he'll be productive, he could help out. But this is a good spot for Cameron Meredith to go on. As long as his knee holds up and he's healthy, he can be a very consistent contributor outside of Michael Thomas, who I think is prime for a monster year in New Orleans. Well, that's it, folks. There's our four quarters. Great to have my partner back with me. Good to be back. Great to be back. You can follow us on Twitter at PUT Blitz, myself at Randall Rand, Scott at SCOT557. We're on Facebook. We're on SoundCloud. Go to iTunes, picking up the Blitz. We'd love and be honored for a five-star rating and a review. We got some more interviews coming up. Scott and I are going to do some more breakdowns. The time's coming, man. I can feel it. We're almost in August. Redraft season's about to start. I can't wait. And don't forget, we're on Stitcher now as well, I believe. So we're we're out there right in uh, the locations. And don't forget to go to draft.com, P-U-T-B. Get your free money entry, friends. Right now, I just got a tweet from at Cowboy underscore Waze, W-A-Y-Z. Just now it says, Mike, Rex Burkhead is a free agent in my Dynasty League. Should I pick him up? Oh, oh my God. You just drafted him in ours. (laughs) Our Dynasty startup that is the longest. Running draft of all time, by the way. We started this six days ago. I think we're in the middle of round eight. Rhymes with hex. (laughs) We'll see you, folks. (laughs) 